the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Rusus John Rushduni. In lieu of the judgment of God across this nation, I appeal to you to listen, learn, and live as the Holy Spirit guides you in the truth of the Word of God. The words and prompting of fallible men do not hold a candle to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture will only be words to our ears unless we exhort, establish, and exercise these infallible words in every area of thought and life. Calcine Report number 132, August 1976. To all practical intent, there are three basic doctrines of the nature of man, although numerous variations of each exist. The first is the doctrine of man's natural goodness. This is more often affirmed in theory than in fact. To affirm that man is naturally good means sometimes that man, as he is, needs no improving. Everything that is, some in more than one age have affirmed, is holy. Evil is a myth, and every person, thing, or act is holy. There is then no such thing as an evil person or an evil or perverted act. The logic of the doctrine tends to this position. Others, however, affirm the goodness of man but the evil of the environment, and the environment can be defined almost in any way possible. The problem then becomes this. If man is naturally good, why is he so readily prone to evil influences? The doctrine of the natural goodness of all men is more logical, but then no change or progress is necessary. A good humanity and a good environment means that all things as is are as they should be. Humanism, however, has usually preferred a second doctrine, the doctrine of selective depravity, one of the most pernicious ideas ever propagated by man. According to the doctrine of selective depravity, most men are naturally good, but some men are diabolically evil. These depraved men have been variously defined in various eras. Priests, pastors, communists, fascists, capitalists, bankers, the masses, the blacks, the whites, the Jews, Germans, Japanese, the Americans, and so on. The doctrine of selective depravity, whether in the hands of radicals, conservatives, or liberals, leads always to Phariseeism. Depravity is limited to a class or group. Instead of seeing the problem as sin, and sin is pandemic to all men in Adam, it sees sin as limited to a segment of humanity. Instead of fighting against sin, it calls upon us to fight against a particular group of men. This means a radically different plan of salvation than that which is set forth in Scripture. Instead of Jesus Christ as the Savior of all men, of every race, color, and class, it sees one segment of humanity, the good guys, as the world's hope. 
The problem then is to exercise the bad guys. Because of the prevalence of the doctrine of selective depravity, the modern era, and especially the 20th century, has become a time of especially bloody warfare, torture, and persecution. On all sides, men seek a solution by going after their scapegoats. The present hue and cry everywhere about corrupt politicians is an example of this idea of selective depravity. There is no reason to believe that the people are any better than their politicians, and they are probably not as good, but there is a widespread pharisaic moral self-satisfaction today in exposing the sins of politicians. The politicians themselves, of course, have often gained power by using the idea of selective depravity to damn a class or group and appeal thereby to the pharisaic greed and self-satisfaction of the electorate. Marxism thrives on the doctrine of selective depravity. Having carried the doctrine to its logical conclusion, the Marxists find that every use of the idea favors their position and finally leaves them the winners. The doctrine of selective depravity ensures conflict not against sin, but between man and man, class and class. It has made humanism the most divisive creed ever to exist, and it leads to the isolation and alienation of man. In terms of this doctrine, no solutions are possible. A whole segment of mankind must be exterminated if this doctrine be held or at the very least brainwashed into submission. However, as new problems arise, a new group will be classified as the depraved class because no other explanation for evil is possible. The doctrine of selective depravity is basic to modern politics, education, sociology, and too often, our religions. As long as this doctrine prevails and it is deeply embedded into modern man's being, no solutions are possible. In fact, every solution only aggravates the problem. The third doctrine is the biblical doctrine of total depravity. By total is meant that all men are involved in it, and that the total life of man is involved in his depravity. It does not mean that the totally depraved man is not capable of some good. It does mean that the depravity is total in its extent, in all of mankind and in all of a man. In such a situation, it will not do to limit depravity to a class, race, or group. All men in Adam have a common nature. The problem is thus not limited to some men, nor is the answer in any man. As St. Paul declares in his great theological, social, and political statement, there is none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3.10. The answer is in God incarnate, Jesus Christ, who redeems man from his plight, gives him a new nature, and enables him to walk not in the spirit of disobedience, but in the spirit of obedience to God and his law. Man is removed from the bondage of his depravity into the status of a covenant man. Once a covenant breaker, he now becomes a covenant keeper. No longer an outlaw, he becomes God's lawman. He is now on the road to dominion as God's dominion man. There is thus no solution to our social crisis 
as long as the humanistic doctrines of man's natural goodness or of the selective depravity of man prevail. Chalcedon Report number 133, September 1976 The doctrine of selective depravity is a doctrine of radical Phariseeism. By isolating depravity in a particular class, race, or group, it implicitly locates virtue in all others, particularly in the defining group. If evil is a national or racial trait, then membership in the other group, whether black, white, red or yellow, Anglo-Saxon, Arab, Japanese, or whatever it may be, constitutes virtue. All facts are collected to prove the point. We are the good guys. They are the bad guys. This is a very widespread and common practice, but it is no less evil and pharisaic for that. As a boy, I picked up an interesting form of this doctrine of selective depravity. My father went to Scotland for his advanced degrees and fell in love with the people and country. His Scottish friends kept me well supplied with books and magazines full of Scottish tales. Sir William Wallace was an early hero. The English were the villains, foul despoilers of all things good and pure. My American history confirmed that. I have since learned differently but not because my wife is of Scottish ancestry. At any rate, Scottish nationalism is no surprise to me. I am only amazed that it took so long to develop. But to return to the very aspects of the doctrine of selective depravity, it is inevitably a doctrine of murder. Sin must be destroyed. If sin is in us, we must, through Christ, destroy the principle of sin in order to be redeemed and to redeem history. However, if sin is incarnate in a race or class, it is then logical to destroy that race or class. Capital punishment is basic to human action, whether admittedly so or not. Marx placed virtue in the workers and evil in the middle and upper class. Hence, Marxism works to execute and eradicate the incarnations of evil in its midst. Hitler defined the evil class as the Jews, hence the Jews had to be destroyed. Hitler himself had no anti-Jewish beliefs. His action was pragmatic. However, the logic of his position required, in a time of emergency, the elimination of evil. The result was the gas chamber. In the latter days of the war, he believed that the Germans were unworthy of him and betraying him, so he set the stage for the destruction and partition of Germany. Whatever form the doctrine of selective depravity takes, it is a call, logically, for murder, and it begins to express itself accordingly. It declares the only good Indian is a dead Indian. The only good Jap is a dead Jap. The only good nigger is a dead nigger. The only good honky is a dead honky, or white. The only good cop is a dead cop. The only good lawyer is a dead lawyer, according to something passed on to me today, and so on and on. The doctrine of selective depravity leads not only to Phariseeism and murder, but to a Pharisaic self-righteousness about the most vicious murders. 
It closes the door to Christ's salvation because it defines sins not in terms of every man's apostasy from God and the fall of man in Adam, the federal head of all men without any exception save the second Adam, Jesus Christ. But it defines sin in terms of some men, other people. Salvation then means the elimination of these other people. On all sides of the political scene, the answer to problems is in terms of the doctrine of selective depravity. Who is to blame? Why the communists, the conservatives, the whites, blacks, Jews, capitalists, workers, or what have you? The result is a radical incapacity to deal with the problem. Every answer only aggravates it. In terms of Scripture, every man is created in God's image to be God's covenant keeper and to be a dominion man subduing the earth under God's law to be God's kingdom. No man is exempt from this calling. It is not enough to profess faith and to be moral. We are called upon to develop God's dominion requirements and to make every area we live and work in an outpost of His kingdom. Otherwise, we are called unprofitable servants and are cast into the outer darkness. Matthew 25:30. The means to dominion is the law of God. The means to sanctification, God's covenant people live in terms of God's covenant law. This means tithing, restitution, responsibility, the family is the basic governmental and social unit, and much, much more. There are different kinds of outlaws and prisoners in a jail. Some are there for major offenses like murder, rape, and kidnapping. Others are petty criminals with a string of small crimes, but all are outlaws. Similarly, if we feel that we have not committed any major sins against God and are therefore still a part of His family, we must remember that all sin has as its principle the belief that my will, not God's, be done, unless it is to my advantage and convenience to obey God. The principle of selective obedience is as offensive to God as the principle of selective depravity. The covenant man knows that his problem was total depravity. In every area of his life he served himself rather than God. By God's grace he is now a redeemed man, a dominion man, and therefore a law man, not an outlaw. Christ's declaration becomes his also. Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Hebrews 19.9 Salvation for him is not the elimination or murder of a social class, race, or group, but the atoning death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The mark of salvation and the way of sanctification is the delight in God's law word and his desire to place his whole life and world under God's law. His calling becomes, in the words of T. Robert Ingram, the world under God's law, beginning with himself. This is not a doctrine of salvation by murder. It is a calling to regeneration and life in and through Christ. Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushman. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus.
Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action 
for Christ and His kingdom.